With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Uh, the Cavs are wrapping up their season. There's just two weeks left of the regular season. It feels weird to be finishing off the year uh, this early, but if I'm being perfectly honest, a bit of a break is pretty welcome. Uh, back from his break, though, is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez, no longer uh, dying. So uh, happy to see that. How's it going, Matt? Um, I- I'm good. I don't sound like uh, like Chops sounds on every single podcast anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what a good what uh, a great, great segue you set up there. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help. Um, and that segue, of course, is to the, the man that's probably responsible for creating the monster of at least myself. I, oh, pretty, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah, helped bring on Carter um, and uh, has been a big part of our, our growth in uh, Cavs coverage, Cavs fandom. Uh, uh, David Zavak from Fear the Sword. How's it going, man? Hey, good. And the door is locked and my dog does not have a functioning squeaky toy. So no worries. (laughs) I thought you were still talking about the metaphorical door you opened uh, for us into Twitter. Um, So I was like, door is locked. Where's he going? Well, I I just, I just started watching Game of Thrones in the last week and I, I I'd made it to hear about it. I made it to the uh, the Red Wedding. So now I'm thinking oh, wow. door is locked. I'm just assuming that David's going to fire us on air, which I, I'd really that that would bring everything full circle. I don't know if I can do that. We'll have to talk to Chris. <laughs> I think if you made your case strong enough, Chris would listen. He's a he's a he's that kind of guy. <laughs> so you're in, Justin. You you're a Thronesman now. Anyone who uh, makes it that far, I feel like, is typically in. Ah, uh, man. Yeah, I'm I'm in. It's I mean, to me part of why I didn't want to jump into it right away um was cuz I kind of wanted to see how it wrapped up cuz I'm still Yeah, there's I, always that impulse. I mean, I remember people were giving me a lot of shit back in the day for not watching Dexter and then apparently yeah, how terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I never watched a single episode of it and uh I saw how people reacted to the end and I'm like, well, I'm if I'm going to invest that much time, I kind of want to know 
um, if it's going to be worth it in the end. But I, I wanted to catch up to so I can share in the experience with everybody else. Because- that is a thing that people do very like, they'll just throw out like they'll be so mad at you if you haven't watched the TV show. And it's like, well, it's 50 hours. <laughs> it's a lot of commitment, man. I'm scared That's of commitment. I, I'm okay so with that. Hours. <laughs> it's it's one thing to like commit in marriage, but it's another thing to commit 50 hours to a TV I, show. I, I had so much easier time committing to marry Kylie and spend the rest of my life with her than I have been able to commit to watch The Wire. <laughs> Fair enough. Marriage um, is easy in comparison. Speaking of wasting time on mindless things, March Madness is going on right now. Uh, <laughs> David, I, I know you had mentioned that you, you watched a little bit, uh, you, that you were following along with Ohio State. Um, how is there anyone since March Madness has started that has kind of changed your opinion with your their play or kind of the reaction you've seen? Because um, for me, I, I know I watch a bit of college, but then I'll, I'll go to like, uh, I'll tr- try to find out what Trevor Magnotti is saying or uh, Sam Bassini, like guys that I, I value their opinion. So um, is there anything from this past weekend that's kind of changed your opinion on any of these prospects? Um, I think the, you know, the Duke players not named Zion Williamson have taken a little bit of a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but just from what I've seen people saying and, um, from what you've seen, just in terms of, of the results, I, I, I don't know if um, R.J. Barrett has really done a whole lot to help his case. Um, you know, I see people talking a little bit about him having tunnel vision. I've seen some people pointing out some uh, effort type issues. Um, and, you know, people obviously went crazy about John Morant's first game. Um, so, you know, I, I tend to think that, like, you know, by the time the draft would have came around go- going into the tournament, I think R.J. Barrett probably would have been able to work himself back up to that number two spot just because that's where he started and people kind of talked themselves back into that. But right, um, I I would guess that for a lot of people, Marat would be higher than, than Barrett right now. Yeah, I, I, Marat just kind of felt like the guy. Like, I mean, I think we'd all kind of been excited by him all year. And he plays the kind of basketball on a team that kind of lets him play the kind of basketball we like to see, like floor general, attacking, uh, scoring in the paint, scoring from three, you know, all that stuff. Um, But he also is just the ultimate guy. Like that kind of player always helps himself in the tournament. I think just, you know, and uh, there's been like this move more recently towards like, guys who just look the part end up sort of being pretty good. Right. Like, I mean, Trey Mm -hmm. Young last year in college just looked great, but you kind of said, well, you know, is he big enough? Is he strong enough? And you know what, now he's in the NBA and he's still sort of doing those things. And to make sort of a cross sport comparison, um, Baker Mayfield, it was sort of like that at at Oklahoma, but everybody was kind of like, well, big 12 quarterbacks, you know, they never really have done it, but you know what? He just, his accuracy numbers were insane and he went and played for the Browns and he looked pretty good. I feel like Marat and then also now Kyler Murray are kind of like really testing that, right? Like Morant looks so good 
but he is not a freshman. He is playing against, you know, not the best competition. Um, I'm kind of just curious to see, you know, because I mean, Derek Williams looked the part, you know, and in, in, yeah. in that games before. So I don't know. That's what makes us fun, but it also makes it tough. Yeah, I, I saw a good thread. Um, I'm going to butcher the name, but uh, longtime reader at Fear the Sword, someone that I, I really do respect his opinion, Estacio uh, Raleigh. Um, he, Close enough. Yeah, it's I, I'm I'm terrible with uh, pronunciation, so that's maybe uh, Eustachio. Eustachio. It's Eustachio, but he just goes I by. Would, I, yeah, I wouldn't have imagined it would be pronounced like pistachio, which I think is Justin's. <laughs> He just, he just goes by Alex. There you go. Um, but he had mentioned that uh, Marquette was one of the top three defenses that Moran has played all year. And Moran, or Marquette isn't a very good defensive team. And I, I think it's worth noting, as David mentioned, that this is his second year in college. Uh, last season, he was averaging about 12 points per game. Didn't look like anything special. And he is facing weaker competition than some of these other guys. And I, I mean against Florida State, things kind of unraveled for him a little bit. He shot 8 of 21 from the floor, uh, only four assists. Um, but I, I think what he's done, I think he's kind of elevated his game to that tier after Zion, which is probably, let's be honest, like about two tiers down. Um, I, I don't think any prospect after Zion is actually a tier below I, I think it's a bigger drop off than tier that two is empty and tier three is where morant now do you think morant lies on his own tier because i don't know so. no no but i i'm saying is he's put himself in the same tier as like rj and uh, maybe some other guys depending on where your opinion is to the point where you're going to draft more for fit like i think if chicago or phoenix teams that do have a lot already invested on the wings i think if they end up with the second pick you can see them take morant whereas guys like rj or culver are more likely to go off the board if it's a team like cleveland that that has uh, at least something invested in colin sexton um so i i think i, I don't i'm still not super high on morant um especially as a fit on this team just because he's not a great shooter he lacks a lot of strength and there's also just the Westbrook thing of kind of his decision-making um, that kind of throws me off. I've, I've just never been huge around that type of player. And for me, I, I don't know about you guys, but the, the guy that my opinion has probably changed on the most is Culver, uh, especially now that I'm seeing that he's taken kind of this Paul George-like growth spurt to 6'9". To I, I think he's my guy after Zion right now, as much as I'd love to have RJ. I'd like to say that my opinion changed on Culver, but I hadn't watched him. You got to be honest. <laughs> okay, I, I had if watched. You can, if you can believe it, I hadn't tuned into a lot of Texas Tech. Uh, well, here, here's what I do: I, I watch I watch YouTube highlight reels. All right. Yeah, I didn't even do that. <laughs> I, you got to be honest. The thing with Culver is, yeah, like he's a six five, and there's just no fucking way. This dude is at least six eight. I mean, he talk he towers over everyone. I mean, I feel like if there's anyone who um who the combine matters most for, it's Culver. You know? Yeah. Uh because like, you know, if he's six five, I get having him listed six, seven, eight on mock drafts, but if he's six nine, six eight, which I mean he really looks that big. I mean he looks it, yeah. Am I crazy here for thinking he's that big? Like I like I, I actually again had not been watching. 
He's he's listed at six five. Yeah, yeah, and, but I'm saying like I, I I was watching for pretty much the first time. I'd seen some, a few highlights, but like very marginal. And I I was like, is that their center? <laughs> he's he's huge, and I'm just like like you know I I don't know anyone who has a more important combine uh, other than. Honestly, maybe Zion, you know, like but e- even Zion, like Zion's probably like six five, six six. Yeah, well, it like, doesn't Zion matter. Can cause... only just like raise his ceiling. Like our our opinion on his ceiling might change a little bit depending on Zion's, but he's still going one, obviously. Right. Like, the the only thing that it might the only thing it might change is if his wingspan makes you think that he's going to be capable of playing the five at some point. Yeah, yeah. but I think they're going to try him there anyway. Yeah. Like, I think this will sound smart, but then I'm going to put a qualifier on it. I mean, he he's Culver has doubled his assist rate this year and his turnover percentage has like barely changed. Like that is exactly what I would like to see. Um, and I, I am like to a point and maybe it's just like Wiggins and Barnes, you know, just, you know, PTSD or something. But like, you know, these guys that don't play with vision in college don't really develop it right i mean vision does always feel like one of those things that you either kind of have it or you don't and you know just watching those those two culver games uh you know these these really sharp skip passes to the to the uh, to the weak side corner from the opposite wing uh against an unset defense like that that's the kind of smart plays that most college kids don't play especially guys who you know I mean, Trevor talks about him not being a very comfortable lead ball handler. I mean, if he's able to do that, then, you know, maybe you can project some growth there because he really is able to pass the ball at least at a decent level. And the jumper, I think that's going to take some work. But, you know, the, the the size, the defensive potential, and he does work defensively. Um, man, he just looked so good. I, I kind of can't believe that he hasn't gotten more hype over the last couple uh, days. Yeah, I, I mean, I keep looking at mock drafts and they have them at, available at like six and seven. And I know Trevor's been on it all year saying that he's in that second tier and he, he's the, either the second or third best prospect in this draft. Um, but I mean, if he's a guy that his value stays that low and if the Cavs do fall back, like I'd be over the moon if we fell to, let's say, five or six and, and ended up with Culver. Um and I, I, David touched on this a little bit, but I, I do have some kind of reservations with the way that RJ's playing. I think some of it's overstated. I, I think there's frustration when you watch Duke because anytime Zion doesn't touch the basketball, everyone loses their minds. Um, but realistically speaking, this is a team that has five guys starting that cannot shoot a basketball. Like Cam Reddish is the best shooter on the team and he's scared to shoot and he shoots and 33% when he does. Yeah, I'm I'm completely out on Cam Reddish. Um, RJ is a slasher, which that's never a good thing in college to begin with. Forget when you have no one that can shoot a basketball. And Zion, I mean, it, I, I think RJ and Zion are going to look a lot better when they go to the NBA and they have NBA spacing. Um, RJ added weight coming into the season at Duke. I think he's going to do that again this year. And... I'm still struggling on how to read this season just because it has been such a deviation of how I've seen him play on other levels, uh, whether it be uh, Team Canada um, or, or just any other exhibition. 
Um, it, it just I've never seen him get outshined before. I think that I think that has been more of a factor in the way we talk about RJ than anything else. Is that he is so much worse than the guy who he plays with every day, right? And, and it makes him look shitty. I really think that. I think it makes. I think everyone on Duke looks kind of marginal by comparison because Zion has been such an insane outlier. Right. And if you were on a team where it's kind of built more around his strengths, maybe he would have been displayed a little bit better. Um, But it also just reminds me so much of Jason Tatum at Duke, who put up very similar numbers, had very similar issues, and was used in an, I guess, incorrect way. Like, I don't think any of these guys have been used well at Duke. And it's weird how Zion never plays pick and roll. (laughs) Well, none of them do. I I mean, it's. It's, it's just such a college thing, man. I hate, I hate college. I saw, I saw somebody say like, "Oh, they should do a R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson pick and roll," and I was like, "Wait, are they not?" Doing <laughs> no, they don't. They don't at all. Like every no, time, no. every time no. they ask R.J. to create, it's in isolation, and sometimes they even have a center posting up while he's trying to isolate. Like, it's- I've got, I've got a hot take. Yeah, yeah. If I see Marquis Bolden post up on the strong side of one more RJ uh, dribble drive, <laughs> that guy sucks, man. He, uh, he grabbed like some. He did something like marginal on the court, and I forget who it was. One of the commentators was like, you know, he's gonna be a player at the next level too. And then the other commentator was like, yeah. that's one thing i do love about this time of year and i i did a little bit of it earlier but just everyone acts like they're an expert on 65 teams and it's just absolutely impossible everyone's like the other guy's like clearly like he's not gonna be a pro um it was uh yeah it's just i i wonder if this is venturing into the land of takedom but here we are um i wonder if the reason most college coaches don't run pick and roll is because they can't pretend that, you know, running a pick and roll heavy offense means you can't pretend that you're doing as much <laughs> as you're doing. I, I love that take. That they're, they're not, like, they're not running, they're running it like your a- system and running your cuts and running your plays every single possession, then, then you can, you know, you can pump yourself up and pretend you've got a ton of control. Um, whereas in the NBA, it's just like, go get the get points as efficiently as you can and it doesn't matter how (laughs) yeah this is this is designed to uh help the matt moores of the world being like you know it's such a pretty offense it's not efficient but you know what it's just it's good team basketball whereas when ty lu would run Kyrie lebron pick and rolls that generated isolation um sure it's great but i just don't like how it feels um david i got a question for you so I think we're all in agreement that the Cavs aren't at a point where they should be drafting for fit. Like you should take the best player available. And maybe if you're split on two guys, you draft towards fit. Do you really think they they should be prioritizing a guy that can kind of be a lead ball handler, whether it be on the perimeter or at the guard position alongside Sexton with Morant? Or if Jared Culver is just a good secondary creator, for example, is that someone that you think, fits or would you kind of lean more towards someone that that can really dominate the basketball uh i don't really care <laughs> um <laughs> if if the team is right, like pod yeah i know like i know um i think you know the if if the team really believes that colin sexton is 
you know, has it within him to become like a pure point guard. I, I, I don't see that right now. Um, so, you know, a secondary ball handler or a, a lead ball handler, like, like Moran, I don't think that's like a problem. Um, but if they, if they, if they don't, do that, you know, then obviously that opens things up. So I, I, I think I'm generally speaking best player available. Um, but if they really love Colin Sexton that much and it's enough that they would say, well, you know, we love Morant, but uh, we don't feel like we need that. That It's kind of like you, you have this big scouting staff, you have, um, you know, you have your GM, you have your analytics staff, you know, make your best decision on what, you have and what you don't have. Um, you know, my, my take on Colin Sexton two months ago was, you know, pretty off compared to where he is right now. So, um, does that mean he's, he's figured it all out? No, I don't think so. But, um, generally speaking, take, take, take whoever you think the best player is, but you know, I, they, they might see something in Colin Sexton that I don't. Hey, Hey, uh, Hey, Zavak, you don't get to talk about Colin Sexton after all the stuff you said about him <laughs> earlier in the year. You know what? Pointing out what he was currently doing means that you can't make observations when he changes things. And, and, and the thing is, like, the funny thing is, I, I don't know if they necessarily need Sexton to be a pure point guard. Um, I... I think that's kind of an antiquated notion to begin with. And that's just not his skill set. But the Cavs are kind of in a funny position where you do have a lot of guys that can provide secondary playmaking. Like Kevin Love can, Jetty Osmond can, Sexton can do it at times, Larry Nance can at times. And I think if you just have an offense where there's a lot of guys that are able to create for themselves or each other, I, I kind of don't hate that as a direction for the team but there does need to be an established hierarchy that okay it's late in games we need this guy to create because we know he can do it reliably um where if you don't have that i think you start to get into the the nuggets type of uh, offense where it's great over the course of the regular season but when it comes down to crunch time it's a bunch of guys that don't know what to do um you know i i i typically agree with that i think there's more risk in taking Morant than, than the best player available folks would would tell you. Um, just from the perspective of, like, I, I hate to do this, but, like, the Dion Kyrie thing, and, like, yeah, Dion was kind of a mess, and, like, you know, he's had a weird career. But, like, I just don't know if drafting two samey players two years in a row um, serves either player. Because we always say, like, okay, you can't make – picks with the sunk cost fallacy in mind you know like you can't right if you don't think sexton's a point guard you can't avoid a point guard just because you took sexton or whatever you know like that that's what the pro best player available would tell you but like what they're not really thinking about is those guys are gonna have to play together next year and is one gonna stifle the the development of the other or both you know uh it just makes me it kind of gives me the willies and it's if I if I thought Morant was on his own second tier, a full tier above the other wings in this class, that just makes so much more sense for the Cavs, who have been pretty wing starved all year. Um, it just you know, it, I would get it, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think I I take like five players ahead of Morant right now. 
I would too. And if I'm the 2010, 2011 caps with absolutely nobody worth building around on the roster, um, I would still not take Moran. Like it's, I, I that makes at least more sense to me. I just think, I just don't think it makes sense for this Cavs team. Right. Like I honestly, I, I'd be okay with even Kobe white ahead of them. But I, I think the main thing is at some point I would like to be okay with defense. Like, <laughs> we're on a few years in a row, and I don't think Mike Lombardi is going to be back next year. Um, but I just don't think that your path to building a competent defense in the future is John Moran and Colin Sexton. I, I just don't. I don't see how you can do that with that undersized of a backcourt. And I just, I, I honestly think that there's better players available. And and my philosophy is still kind of, if Zion, RJ, and Culver are off the board, I'm calling Portland, and I'm trying to find out what could get done for CJ McCollum. I'm, I'm kind of shopping that pick at that point to, to either trade back or, or consolidate some assets and, and, and add a player there. Hell yeah, brother. Let's just get a fun team. Also love that you said you wanted to be good at defense someday and then said you wanted to trade for CJ McCollum. Well, <laughs> my guy to, to clarify, I'm at that point, I'm kind of resigning myself to saying, okay, it's just not going to happen. Let's go in on offense. Let's, let's get a guy Let's, let's get the local guy in here. Folks, this time of year can be stressful enough as it is. You, you got your March Madness bracket. It's probably on life support, but it, just because that's stressful doesn't mean the rest of your life should be stressful, and it doesn't mean that getting life insurance should be stressful. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical examinations for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives either. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing that you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you have the peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day. No hidden fees. Carter, that's less than a cup of coffee. Less than a cup of coffee a day. Wow. (laughs) Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit a complete application in just minutes. Go to ethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. But obviously that kind of team building philosophy um, is assuming that Kevin Love is going to be here in part of the future. And, and I know that's, that's a topic David had mentioned. You want to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it with David because we did have disagreements over the Kevin Love extension. And I, I guess the best place to start off there is just wondering, David, has anything happened this season that's kind of changed your opinion on it? Or are you still of, of the opinion that we've got to move him to, to try to add more assets and, and rebuild uh, more traditionally. Yeah, I mean, I think like I think like you you win, like you were right. Like the way that it's worked out has been very very good. Um, but if Kevin Love doesn't get hurt, um, I think it's possible that this season looks a lot different and maybe not in a good way. Right? Like right if we were on our way to the eighth seed, you know, maybe if Kevin loves back, you know, Colin Sexton starts looking better a month earlier, you know, or a month or two earlier. Right. Um, 
But and Teddy Osman's played a lot better with him as well. Yeah. So I like I think you know maybe the way that we would be feeling right now, you know, we'd have more wins, right? Maybe thirty wins. Like I don't know what the answer to that is. Mm-hmm. But we would be, you know, really talking ourselves into the new lottery helping us because we'd be, you know, at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Um, or, you know, maybe we'd be talking ourselves into, you know. Let's, let's make a playoff run and hope the Raptors oh, choke again. We always play Toronto tough. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. But I loved that. That's my point. Like, so I think like, like the way that it's worked out, we'd still have a really good shot at winning the lottery. And we've gotten to see some steps forward. And I think, you know, if, if he stays healthy for, you know, the remaining few games of the season, you know, maybe Kevin Love has some trade value. So, like, if they, you know, because part of my argument was if you give him this monster deal, you know, maybe he doesn't really have that much trade value. But I think he's showing he's still, you know, a relevant player. And you know what? The Lakers might be that desperate. So, like, I mean, I don't know. But um, I think right now I would hope that Kevin Love's back. And that's, again, sort of another argument for you. But I think that if he stays healthy, things get a lot more convoluted. So, I, I think that an interesting way to pivot from here is kind of to a different point that Justin and I have disagreed on, um, it, which is how fun this season has been. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin definitely thinks this season has been a pretty fun season, pretty good, pretty good time. But I actually saw something from you, David. Um, on Twitter recently that I, it actually got me uh, thinking, you kind of said, this has been a pretty perfect season for the Cavs. Oh yeah. That's not for all right. Word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, to, to clarify. Well, yes. Go ahead. Let me, let me lay out the point. Cause in a lot of ways, I actually do think it's been kind of a perfect season for the Cavs. Like, you know, the love still looks like a player, but he missed enough time to get them uh, a really good pick. Most, I mean, almost certainly, um, uh, Sexton is showing flashes and kind of fought through the morass to end up like a look, decent looking player on the other side. Jetty looks pretty solid. Uh, they, they unloaded their vets for good assets. And I actually agree that in a lot of ways, this is the season that the Cavs needed to have, but I don't think it's been fun. I just think it's been an, it's been an important dose of medicine. It's like we took the medicine of, you know, Jaron Blossom game and Jalen Jones. <laughs> and now we're going to start feeling a little bit better. Your right. thoughts, Justin? Well, to, to clarify, I think what this season has been is it's been a little more stress-free in my opinion. Um, and that was my big thing with last year is there just was always this cloud over the season. And I, even when they were winning 16 games in a row early in the year, that wasn't really a whole lot of fun. Um, I think the most fun was right after the trade deadline uh, when those guys were playing really well and before the second round of injuries kind of kicked in. Um, but the the highs have been fun this year. Um, but I, I think the way David said it, it is right, that it's just kind of been perfect for the Cavs. And, and when I had written about this year or written prior to the extension of Kevin Love that, uh, that, that, that they should give him an extension, what I was – illustrating that article and what I was trying to say the Cavs should sell them on is basically what they did this year, which is, Hey, 
if you're banged up at all, we're going to arrest you. If you're playing, you're only playing 20, 28 minutes a game, and it's going to be with Jetty and Sexton. Um, we're going to trade off the veterans. We're, we're going to make those young guys make mistakes. And if, if we're ahead of the curve and, and Sexton and Jetty just blossom and, and turn into kind of core players, then with the new lottery odds, we're, we're still going to have a shot at a guy that matters. And it doesn't matter that we're getting those extra wins. And I think that's kind of been what Love has bought into. Uh, in the interview with Jason Lloyd, he, he kind of alluded to, hey, I know that this has been what's best for the team. And, and I'm sure that the Cavs held them out a little longer than they needed to. And I think they've done the same thing with Tristan. And it, it's, it's put themselves in a good position this year. This is probably the, the best position they could have been in. Uh, in all likelihood, they're going to have the, the highest possible odds at, at getting a top four pick. And uh, from there, it, it's just, we, we just kind of have to hope for lottery luck and that whoever they get in the draft is someone that fits into the culture. All right, Justin, have you softened at all on the idea of potentially still using love as in a trade? No, I, I think it would be irresponsible if you weren't look listening to offers for love. Um, sure, but I'm saying actually doing it. I, I would. The more, it, the more interesting thing is actually looking to trade him for future assets. Let's put it this way. Let's say the Pelicans aren't interested in trading for Anthony Davis, but um, they basically have commitments from Kyrie and KD. Um, if they're looking to sell off the pick because it fell back to five or something like that, I, I would trade Kevin Love. If there is a first former first-round pick that I really believe in and, and the team's also willing to give up future assets, I would trade Kevin Love for that. But Justin, it would need to be uh, something to Justin, Anthony Bennett's on the Agua Caliente Clippers. <laughs> not, not the not the main team they can just sign him whenever <laughs> did i say anthony ben instead of anthony davis uh no but you just said a former number one pick becomes available <laughs> oh i i meant former first round pick but i'm yeah, very I, well aware but let me get my fucking jokes off Jeez. <laughs> all right but yeah I, I mean it would need to be something of value like it would need to be someone that's actually that you believe could have a, the potential to be a cornerstone of the team not just a second round pick in cap space because I, I think I think the culture of the the locker room has been healthier than it's been in a really long time and I think Kevin Love plays a role in that and I, I think we we've seen that his presence there is helping out it's helping the development and I'm just so scarred from the mistakes of the past with the Cavs that I want to avoid that at all costs. David what's the least you would trade Kevin Love for? Well, I was just going to say, I think it's kind of funny, like the places that make most sense for a Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson trade are like either Kyrie in New York or LeBron in LA. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's um, almost like we built a good team that fits well together. Before. Yeah. Like if, if New that York ended bad. up with, if New York ended up with Kyrie and KD, like I feel like Tristan Thompson would make a lot of sense there yeah. um and i i mean and, and it would not surprise me if lebron this summer was kind of like i need tristan or kevin here as a grown-up in the room that like i know can play and like tristan would sort of help them with you know defensively obviously maybe but um so i just think that that's kind of funny no, no. I mean, the the hypothetical. If, if I found out that the Cavs could have had the fifth pick in the draft for Kevin Love, and they said no, 
that would not you, you'd lose your damn mind yeah that wouldn't be good um i don't see that happening um yeah but it's but, it feels like a decent yeah line of demarcation to some extent like i don't really care about the ninth pick in the draft for kevin love It'd be close for me. Uh, uh, ninth, ninth, honestly, I'd be considering it as well. Uh, I'm just not interested. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just – maybe I just lost, like, that uh, that ability to project. I think I'm – I think of the three of us, I'm the most future – or the most present-based in my interest in the team. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really care about three years down the line right now. I just the, can't the- fathom giving a shit. Uh, about you know and i don't think i'm right it's just the way i feel you know of like of the way i want my team to behave Uh, right i want to have a good time when i watch my team right now (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean yeah fair um but i'm out no way the frame that i keep going back to and i have all year um is do they have a top 20 nba player right now no, they do not. Do they so, have a top hundred? <laughs> yeah, right. outside of love, outside of love, of course. Yeah, I mean, like I think Tristan for a little while this year was playing like a top fifty player. Yeah. Um, but do they? They no. The answer to, is no. They do not have a top twenty player. Do they have somebody who projects as a top twenty player? Uh, I, I don't I think. No. I would say no. So, like, you know, until they do you know, what are we doing here? So no, uh, I get that. So that's kind of, you know, getting as many bites at the apple as possible. I, yeah, guess. I think that's, that's the way more than anything that the title freed me up. I'm less title obsessed than I used to be. Do you feel less title obsessed than you used to be? Oh, I like, yeah, absolutely. Like but, that's why I just want a fun team to watch. <laughs> that but like that likes each other and plays hard for each other and tries to win. But games. I will say the title made it so that I don't need that, but also like it also really devalued what becoming the Hawks. Uh, maybe that'll, maybe that'll be the way I feel when we get there. That's an interesting yeah. thought. See, my, my hope is still kind of that we go more the way of, and, and this is another franchise that we've mocked a lot, but like the Raptors where they were a three, four seed for a while uh, they did well with draft and development later in the draft, um, like flipping Grievous Vasquez, for example, f- uh, for a later pick from Milwaukee that turned into OG and Nobi. Um, like that, that helps. Um, and that's what I would kind of hope. Like to me, my, my big dream is still that you end up with a wing, either Culver or RJ, and they f- slot alongside Sexton, Jetty, Love, and Tristan. And then you're basically just out there shopping your expirings for guys that, that can help out and fill out the roster. And maybe you hit on another guy with the, the Houston first round pick. Maybe you flip some of those guys for first round picks. Um, we got the, the first round pick from Milwaukee, which if Giannis stays, we're, that pick is going to convert. And it seems very possible that that's going to be the double draft with high schoolers being able to enter directly. So that's going to be a deeper draft than normal. Um, Like, I I just think if you value building a culture and and you start hitting with those later picks and you develop guys and maximize them, I, I, I think that that can be somewhat entertaining. And then at some point you make a move like Toronto did where you're saying, okay, we're consolidating, we're going in, we're trading for a Kawhi Leonard because that has to be the route for the Cavs because we're not going to be a major free agent player. 
you just have to develop well, develop assets, and uh, hopefully you're able to, to cash in at some point. I have a, I have a question about Kevin Love. Um, because we always talk about the people who, uh, who the Warriors hurt whose legacies the like the Warriors kind of robbed. Like we talk about how the Cavs, you know, got their chance at title stolen because the Warriors, you know, became what they became. Like this this Cavs second LeBron era could have been even greater. We talk about those the other teams in the West that they beat that, you know, kind of fell by the wayside or are going to fall by the wayside, like the Rockets. You know, I don't think anyone really right. thinks the Rockets are going to win a title. Um, has anyone been hurt more uh, in their legacy than Kevin Love in, in in a weird way. Like Kevin Love is good against 29 teams. And like every time anyone talks about him as a trade target, they're like, yeah, but like we all kind of know he can't help a good team. <laughs> Which is frustrating because he played pretty well against the Warriors in the last two finals. Yeah. But even like, you know, like I think we can all acknowledge that like he had defensive limitations against that team. Like no, you know, they, they presented problems that, like that the Cats struggled to, to accommodate, but like, against every other team he was so good and i just feel like he's kind of gotten a raw deal um because of a couple finals no no I, for sure i just don't understand why we think he can't help like i'm just very interested to see what uh how reputations are affected in a post kd warriors world but i will say i think a lot of teams or maybe maybe not a lot but there are there are definitely organizations that don't are, are are not in the title or bust model like like you are carter they you know like i'm thinking of the pacers but i think oklahoma city is probably kind of close to that um so I, I think there are teams that would value kevin even if they didn't think that he he would put them over the top against the warriors right just in terms of his value yeah, I just am kind of sad for him that that like somehow has become his thing when he and, and I think some of it though is teams. I think some of it's due to playing alongside LeBron That's, too. Yeah, like, sure. I I think that just minimizes the impact of some players and um like he got the Bosch treatment without having the Bosch Toronto run, which I mean he was probably as good uh, in Minnesota for for that stretch, and, and that was actually a really good team that just missed playoffs in a very tough West. Um, but man, it's just, it, but, but I, I, I still think, think it's I, different because Bosch got shit on for a couple of years and then rehabbed his value, uh, during their two title wins. Like everyone right, but, then agreed and, and he was Bosch also was, able to play defense at the five. That's what it is, is, yeah. is the defense and not playing against a team that ruined him yeah. or ruined his, their, the perception of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah like for sure. Kevin Love was considered he, – he was coming off a season where people were talking about him like he was a top-five NBA player, and he was coming off an Olympics where people were talking about him as the X factor. Um, a lot of people said Kyrie was definitely the third-best player on the Cavs. So, I, I think, that, I think that, that was the intention going into the year. I anticipated it as a Kyrie fan that he was going to be the third guy. LeBron came back – because they had a deal lined up for Kevin Love, and Kevin Love was going to be the number two. But just with two ball-dominant guys on the perimeter, that was just never going to be the case. And and their offense was better maximized playing through Kyrie and LeBron. But no, Kevin Love was supposed to be the number two there. And I think that that gets forgotten after the fact. Yeah, I, I just think, uh, you know, I 
I am interested to see players that have, you know, maybe one exploitable flaw become interesting again in the post warriors um, dynasty world, because like, there's just this very single minded way. And like, they've really flattened the discourse in a lot of, in a lot of spots um, just by like, well, no one can beat them. And, uh, well, that player, he can't play in, in, in a competitive... Like, every time we say uh, this guy can't hold up in the playoffs, it almost mo- 98% of the time means, man, he, he can't hang with the... He can't play against the Warriors. Right. No, that's that's exactly what it is. That I mean, bothers me a little bit. <laughs> it's kind I, of a bummer to me. I'm, I'm very ready for the conversation around basketball to to shift away from that and league's gonna be so good next year i'm so confident in this it's it i i know i i've said this a million times but i i really do think that once that bar gets lowered i i just think you see less of players teaming up because hey now two stars in a roster that's built well around them can compete for a championship Players don't have to go out of their way to, to create super teams to even have a shot at stealing a series if things break right. Um, it, it's going to be really, really interesting. And I think the, the fact that the Warriors are as good as they've been has kind of detra- taken away from the fact that this is probably the deepest the league has been. And I think once the Warriors are, are brought back to everyone else's level, then, hey, it's, uh, it, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities. I'm trying to figure out how good the Warriors would be next year if they just bring everyone back, but no. <laughs> no KD. Like, what does that mean? Because they, they'd be really motivated. They're going to be motivated, but like a big part of that Warriors team was like this combination of all these perfect storm elements coming together. Uh, and I just wonder if it's going to be like a depressing, <laughs> like a depressing reunion tour for a band, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a little little past their prime you know lead singer can't hit the heights he used to uh oh man it, it'd be a real shame to see the warriors not catch a break yeah, um, you know, i'm not i'm just i'm not gonna be, more. yeah i'm not gonna be depressed about it but i think it's gonna i'm wondering because i think there's a little bit of like the warriors fan base that's like kind of deep down in their heart they're like oh yeah we're gonna play the way we used to well, yeah, we, we all follow Sam and Andy. We, we know that that's <laughs> how they feel. Anyways, David, really do appreciate you coming on. Um, guys, make sure that you are subscribing to the Fear the Sword feed. We've already told you to subscribe to it for Thick Jack Frames, but David is also hosting the bottom on the same feed. Um, more good analysis, uh, change of opinion, which I, I think is needed because... Um, if you're only listening to us, you're only getting one voice, and we like our own little echo chamber. And I like, uh, I like uh, the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> it, it is good to get other perspectives. And, and David is one of the best at taking a step back and, and bringing um, just an objective view to everything. So really do appreciate you coming on, David. Appreciate our listeners. Remember, support the show. The best way to do that is by subscribing, leave a rating, leave a review. Do the same thing on the Fear of the Sword feed. Help out the the mother site. And uh, we will talk to you later on in this week. And until next time, go Cavs.